What's really important is you never know who's watching. Work ethic. You have to be committed. You have to know who you are. And you have to come ready and able for the opportunity every single day. In this episode of Next Play, I talked to Benny Pugh about what it's like to be a groundbreaking music executive. His resume is littered with experience at Epic Records, Rock Nation, and other hip-hop powerhouses. A few years ago, Benny struck out and founded his own media conglomerate. He discusses seizing the day, giving advice to young entrepreneurs on the music scene, and preview some upcoming projects. Benny, I'm excited and honored to have you here. Thanks for taking the time out of your, your busy life to come all the way from New York. Um, you know, we have a wide range of topics I'd like to cover with you today. Um, but let's, let's start with the milkshake. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for being here. So I want to start by talking to you about uh, your experiences as a record label executive, real estate mogul, and then entrepreneur. Um, I'm hopeful you can provide some wisdom and insight for my young viewers and about the realities of building careers focused on durability and long-term growth. Um, so let's start with your, your long-term entrepreneurial experiences. You have been in the business of business since you were a young boy. Um, I can relate. My first business started when I was 13. I used to buy and sell random bre rare breeds of turtles. Um, and uh, that's, that's how I got started. But it, it's almost innate, I feel like, being a builder, right? You, you grow up knowing that you want to build, but you might not know exactly what you want to do. Um, and, and I sense that you relate to that, but I want to hear about your childhood and uh, really what were the most influential sources for you that pushed you um, to have a passion for entrepreneurship? Well, it starts with my faith. Mm. Um, we're devout Christians, and my mother, she drilled everything into our lives based on Christianity. I uh, started probably in business, if I think about the concept of, of uh, savings and building the future. My mother started um, me, and that process back in the day was a Christmas club. Okay. So the concept of the Christmas club was the bank would offer you an opportunity to go to the um, deposit money weekly. Uh, driving into the Christmas season um, every week. So you'd have a booklet, you'd take, um, you know, it's different denominations from 50 cents to a dollar to maybe the max might have been $25. Yeah. And every week after she worked, after she finished work, we would go walk to the bank on Friday or Saturday morning. Yeah. And um, I'd take my slip, take my dollar, and deposit the money in the bank. And what that showed me was savings was the, what the importance of having your own at such a young age, right? How old were you at the time? Five years old. Wow. Yeah, so we'd walk about a mile and a half from my house um, to the bank and uh, deposit the money. So as I grew older, um, my real first job was delivering newspapers. And that was what showed me what the value of um, selling. And everything we do, no matter, you know, people are shy. And they believe, like, you know, I can't sell. If you can breathe, talk, utter, make movements, you can sell. Yeah. And for me, selling newspapers was um, a very interesting opportunity because as an 11-year-old, you have to deal with adults and yeah. collecting, collecting money. And the thing about uh, newspapers is kind of like people who are in the restaurant business. You provide the service first, right? People right. sit down and eat. We have a milkshake. Yeah. But it's, it's in hope that someone actually gives you yeah. right, um, your payment for what's needed at that point. So what I learned um, 
during uh, that period of delivering newspapers was negotiations, okay. you know, the value of communication, and also, you know, having the confidence to, I guess, in the corporate aspect or looking at business, right. managing up, right? So ultimately, at the end of the day, since the business was the newspaper um, company gave us the product up front, right. so at the end, you had to collect the money in order to pay for your product or your supply, which was the newspaper. So learned a lot at an early age. That's amazing. I, I, I wish more kids could do that now. Unfortunately, there's no more. I don't think there's kids yeah. going around throwing newspapers right. um, as everything's moved to print. But, you know, there are a lot of guys to look up to in the hip hop industry mm -hmm. and, you know, from small label pioneers to big name behemoths. But uh, urban music in particular moves to the rhythms of its titans um, and, and their collaborative networks. Um, big personality matters, of course, and you've always had a reputation as someone who has an eye for talent. Um, and an ear for what sells in urban music. You've developed that through long stints at top labels. Um, and for, for the viewers who, who aren't aware, we're talking promotions manager at Motown, promotions manager at Artista Records, senior vice president uh, at MCA, senior vice president at Def Jam, executive vice president at Epic Records, and president at Rock Nation. Um, your resume is literally you know, a university syllabus on developing elite talent. Um, in the realm of urban music especially. So you sort of fell into the music business though, right? Absolutely. And, and then went on to discover or represent some of the biggest performers in the industry. Um, I heard that you actually got started in the music industry from being a stand-up comedian. Is, is that accurate? Yes, I'm a failed comedian. Can you tell me a little bit about that? <laughs> I mean, every entrepreneur has some failure that, that sparks them into, into what they end up doing, so I'd love to hear about this. So it's interesting. Um, my senior year of college, I went to St. John University and during college, I um, had four different jobs, yeah. so from security on the weekends, driving limousines, selling cutlery door-to-door, -door, okay. as well as um, uh, uh, doing stand-up at night and multiple times during the course of the week. Mm -hmm. So the opportunity came, and it wasn't um, necessarily uh, very forward, but it became that. At the end of the show, I was performing in, in Harlem. Uh, for the regional director of promotions at Motown Records. Okay. And at the end, she asked me, what are you doing? It's time to get paid, you know, that, that grand sum of $25. Wow. Um, so I told her, at that point, I hadn't decided what I was going to do. I hadn't written my resume, hadn't put anything together, didn't know what was next. I got my degree, I'm cool. So yeah. she said, why don't you come down and intern? At that point, I didn't even know what an intern was. Right? No one had ever, at that point, um, raised us or disciplined us to understand you know, the facets of the corporate landscape yeah. and what the next steps were. So I was like, cool, as a salesperson, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I walked down to uh, Motown Records um, on that Monday, and, and my background is sales. So I came in the uniform that was indicative for what I do. So I came in a three-piece suit, yeah. um, wingtip shoes, anti-shade case, and that is so not uh, what what the creative landscape wow. and music is. So everybody looked at me as whether I was uh, Amway salesman or the FBI because no one else would enter a record company looking like I did. But the opportunity then, once I got in, I saw that there were you know gaping holes in regards to the administration aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what um, I majored in. Those are the things that I learned, my discipline along the way, figuring out how to make myself relevant and fit. And um, what I realized with her, she gave me the opportunity to process her T&Es. And T&E is traveling expenses. Okay. So when 
executives actually go out and entertain, um, those expenses are now charged back to the company. So uh, she gave me like a 101 on how to process these things. And when the, uh, the, um, her check would come in, I kind of felt sheepish about knowing what the money was. I thought it was her paycheck. And I had a conversation with her and I said to her, you know what, I'm not comfortable like looking at your, um, you know, your, your payroll check. And she's like, no, baby, that's not my check. I was like, what is it? She said, it's um, my expenses. So I said, okay, explain this to me now. I've been doing this for a while, never asked. Explain this to me. So she said, all the trips I take, yeah. all the flights I take, all those dinners we're having, um, all the drinking that we're doing, my cable bill, my phone bill, uh, my insurance bill, the company takes care of that. I was like, really? Wow. Oh, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I got into the music business. That's amazing. And uh, at this time, so at Mo, that was at Motown. Was yes. Barry Gordy still there at that time? Or? Uh, no, Gerald Busby was the uh, chairman then. Okay, very cool. Um, I want to hear about some of the top talent you discovered and, and what your relationship was with them, um, either at that time or just your favorites. So I think from the favorite list, uh, I'll start there, is, is probably the iconic um, artist that um, have stand the test of time, and there's a reason for that, Mariah Carey and Lionel Richie, right? Uh, yeah. Mariah being who she is, like one of the uh, most dynamic songstress of all yeah. time, and, and Lionel Richie has evolved, if talking about someone who's grown and, and has made change and different in impact. I mean, just now where he sits, yeah on American Idol shows that this guy's been in the business for over five decades yeah. and still standing strong. And the reason is, is because they're Ackerman, mm. right? Like these are the people who really are committed and dedicated to their craft, not only um, being great performers, but also yeah. being great business people. They're the ones who write the notes um, at the holidays. They're the ones yeah. that send you the Christmas cards and the birthday cards. And what, what, what's the secret to that, though, to recognizing that talent? You know, I, I, you do this across multiple fields, but specifically in music, I guess I'm asking, in your opinion, what makes an artist great among the sea of all the, the talent that exists out there? So it starts with the music, right? right. You have to have real talent. Like, sure. their stars can be created now in a nanosecond, yeah. but that's not a career. Right. So you have to be able to differentiate, differentiate between what's um, candy and yeah. what's substance. Right. So um, trained professionals, which, which we are, is no different than anything else. If you want to be an engineer, if you yeah. want to be a doctor, right, you're trained. And also there's gut, there's gut involved yeah. as well. Like when a star walks in the room, you know, and you see it, um, you know, their style is different, their walk is different, their talk is different, their attitude yeah. is different. And then aligned and compact with the music, you know, that's, that's the recipe for something that's really great. What about like ego though? What, do you see that the greatest artists that you work with have low ego or that they, in high work ethics, they come in, they put in the hours and they're like that, or is it that they come in and they are, you know, they expect everything and that they, they expect to be treated like they are the stars? You're gonna get all, you're gonna get yeah. the dynamic of all. Um, you know, what people step away from or don't think about, artists are people. Yeah. They have a bad day, you're gonna have a bad day, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> they are your boss right. at, the, at the end of the day, but what makes the superstars are the ones who, you know, once again, you can't negate or get away from the hard work. Yeah. 
the guys who are really on the top aren't on the top by chance. They're on the top because they put in the work yeah. all day, every day. It's interesting that you call them the boss, though, because I think, you know, majority of people look at major record labels as notoriously, you know, scary. They take it, they say that they take advantage of artists. So I'd love it if you could maybe humanize it for me for a second. What is it actually like at the executive level at these organizations? Like, do you, do you all really view them, as the artist, as your boss or the other way around? So think of it this way. <clears throat> new artists are like new product lines. Right, so if you're at a major corporation, if you're at um, General Motors, right, you have your flagship product. No one's ever going to interrupt that. Yeah. Understand that that's probably what keeps the lights on. Mm -hmm. You know, the engineer, the people who are involved are always catered to because this has to be protected. Okay. So that's at the at the upper end. Right. Then you have your new product line or new artists that come in that have not yet proven themselves, yeah. haven't um, done the work, or haven't actually turned over you know, a profit in regard. So they're on a, just on a different pace yeah. of, of how they're working through the system. Okay, fair enough. That makes sense. And so your, um, your first opportunity was at Motown, right? And yes. so, um, you know, it, it started with you being in this comedy club and someone taking a chance on you. So I want to imagine again for a second that, you know, you're, you're the president of another major label and, and in walks young Benny Pugh. Mm -hmm. uh, he's hungry, he's driven, mm -hmm. but he's coming in cold without a lot of industry experience. What advice do you give to that young person today who is striving to get into the door, um, either with a mogul like you or just trying to get into the music industry? What's really important is you never know who's watching. Mm. Work ethic. You have to be committed. You have to know who you are. And you have to come ready and able for the opportunity every single day. You never know when someone's going to call. And obviously, what's important for anyone new coming into the organization is trying to find connections. You know, you can't be someone who comes in and sit in a corner unless that's just your job. Right. And that's your only aspiration is just sitting in, in, in the uh, corner and not have any socializing, yeah. anything of that nature. But um, for me, it was about connecting with senior management. So I always put yeah. myself in the position of no more than saying hi, you know, talking about the company, talking about the growth, you know, actually showing the initiatives that yeah. I love being here. Okay, so once you realize you had that, that aha moment, that yeah. light bulb of, okay, I, wanted, I want that job, um, you know, when you were seeing her expenses, that's what you did. That was your next play, was to go in and start networking and, and talking with, you know, people in the company and trying to show your value, basically, that you want to be there and you want to grow. So what was primary after that was I actually started in the uh, college promotions department. Okay. And that's when I fell in love with music, the business uh, of music. And, and realizing at that point, stars were made between zero and 12 weeks, meaning from the time it was launched mm -hmm. to the potential of being something bigger than what you started yeah. was a 12-week cycle, which is the equivalent of now going viral, wow. right? Okay. Think of it in perspective like that. So um, in the college department, I was doing local promotions and realized that um, some of the artists that I was working, the power of actually getting them exposed to the masses was like mind-blowing because radio being the, the major medium at that point right. was the big opportunity mm -hmm. so realizing like wow. whoa okay I see yeah. the power in this and that's when I committed myself to the business of music because I wanted to be in the part of changing people's lives and also understanding the business as I grew very cool 
A question like that, I feel like, has to get you thinking a bit about the larger scope of your life and, and career. And I want to dig a little more into that introspection. In 2014, you had a, a, a near-death experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I want to know what happened and really how it how it changed you. Okay. Man, that was um, that was a very interesting part of my life. Yeah. Uh, so, I was invited to a barbecue by a dear friend of mine. And it was really interesting, he's very persistent. He's a, he's a pharmaceutical uh, head of a corporation. Um, and uh, when he called me, it, I picked up my phone and I saw it was him. And he said, why don't you come over in, um, on Saturday and um, I'm having a barbecue and I want you and the family to come. I said, yes. So normally, um, you gotta give yourself some room, right? Yeah. To either yes or no. Uh, but once I commit, I'm in. Yeah. So since I committed, I was cool. He calls me again on Wednesday. It's like, are you coming? It's like, yeah, I'm coming. Very persistent guy. Thursday, he calls me again. Are you coming? I'm like, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. So that f Saturday, I flew down to South Carolina. Uh, is where my family is. My sister, my mom, my dad. My mother has Alzheimer's. Um, we were celebrating my father's 70th birthday. Um, I get a call from my friend, he's still coming because the barbecue's on Sunday. It's like, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. The week prior, I dropped my son off to boarding school, so I had an opportunity to spend some time with him. Sunday comes, it's time to fly out. Um, there was uh, a storm that day, which delayed my flight. So I'm running about an hour and a half late, fly into New York, have a meeting, get a call from my friend again, are you guys still coming? Like, yeah, I'm on my way. Call my wife, let her know that um, we're going to be running late uh, because of the storm and my meeting. Cool. Tell her I don't want to drive the convertible just because it doesn't seem safe, grounds are wet, so we're going to get in the truck. Get to the house, pick up my daughter and um, my wife, and we drive out to my friend's house. He calls me 20 minutes before we get there. Are you coming? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm sorry, I'm late. So we get there, and... Uh, the reason why he was so persistent is because we thought the barbecue was just going to be a barbecue, but it was for, he was surprising us. Nice oh, gesture, yeah. it was amazing. So, four, bottle, <clears throat> four adults, three bottles of wine, we're sitting, catching up on life. We hadn't had time, it's been um, in a while that we've seen each other. He's done a lot of global travel. Yeah. We're all just, you know, chilling out, relaxing. The ladies are sitting in the dining room. We walk out to the deck. Um, have some conversation. Things are, you know, a little dark in his life. You know, catching up on some things. Obviously, the condition of my mom and life. So we're we're getting caught up. Yeah. That misty rain happens again. So at this point, he is. Um, I don't know whether he said or I said he just purchased a new Mercedes Benz S550, and uh, we said, okay, you know what? Let's go take a ride. Mm. We walked from the deck into the kitchen, into the carport, get in the car, back out, stops, jumps out, gets a cigar, gets back in. The ladies and the kids, they come to the driveway and see us uh, take off. We drive down the driveway, it's probably like the length of a city block, opens the gate, it's a two-lane roadway, yeah. rural area, makes a right. I pick up my phone, and literally I hear, there's a thud car takes off. So I'm like, what the hell? Like, we're too old to be showboating. What's, yeah. what's happening? So I look out of the corner of my eye. The odometer's at 75 miles an hour. 
I turn my head, he's passed out with his foot on the accelerator. So now from where we started to the impact, it's a half a mile with a car with no driver. So the first thing that I do is, um, what I've been trained and disciplined to do is speak to God. Now I've seen everybody in my life up until this point with my kid yeah. and my wife standing in the yard. So I said, God, I guess I'm not gonna see my family anymore. And the second thing I say to God is, I guess I'm gonna see you soon because now we're driving the car speed and your mortality comes, it happens. And it's in What's slow like motion. What's the time frame of this, yeah. So it's a half a mile, it's minutes, seconds. These are seconds, okay. right, it's seconds. Um, second thing I say to God is, I guess I'm gonna see you soon. Because yeah. now it's, you know, it's, um, it's becoming real that this is not gonna end good at all. Then I get mad with God, because at this point, I'm thinking about all the things that I'm not gonna see anymore. I'm not yeah. gonna see my daughters get married. I'm not gonna be able to take care of my mother no more. Um, you know, I'm not gonna be there to give my poor wisdom into my son. And um, at this point, um, I'm just angry because if I knew that I was gonna die today, I wouldn't have came to the damn cookout, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the car veers off the road, we start hitting trees and bushes. So every time he hit something, his foot would come off the accelerator. So it would slow and speed, right? Accelerate, decelerate. And at some point we hit um, an obstacle in the road that redirected the car and we shot into a tree and I saw it and bam, um, that's what changed my life. Wow. I sustained a massive concussion, L3, L4, vertebrae fracture, bulging disc in my back, wow. um, blood internally, half the blood um, out, of my, out of my body. Uh, we hit the tree so hard that it lacerated my liver wow. and, um, and uh, severed two feet of my small intestine. So what was birthed out of that was my book right. On Impact. So tell me a little bit more about your upcoming book, On Impact. <laughs> you know, how did a car accident set you on a path to becoming an author? Well, um, that was the birth of the book. On Impact, when I think about it, is, uh, you know, both literally and figuratively changed my life, hitting yeah. that tree. Um, and that a book was put inside of me. Um, my book is an inspiration, motivational business book that takes you through my journey yeah. from delivering newspapers at 11 to now sitting at this show. Beautiful. Impact is an acronym. It stands for intuition, mastery, pivot, authenticity, communication, and teamwork. Gotcha. And it brings you through my journey. And the reader takes away, you know, pretty much if Benny can go through these obstacles and changes in his life, so can I. Yeah. And that's what it is. I love that. For younger entrepreneurs who also have life-changing events, traumatic experiences, how do you turn something like that into opportunity? How do you decide to go and you know, write a book or go and take this as motivation to do more rather than to say, okay, you know, God had this plan for me and my life is ruined. I don't want to do anything with the rest of my life. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm done. It's never over. It's, it's no different in sports. Okay. Right. If you really think about it, you can start at a deficit but win the game. Yeah. So you can't look at your life as is 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 in the immediacy of the moment. You have to think about it in its totality in the end. Yeah. Right. And each step is going to move you in a different direction. So don't quit. Yeah. When the game starts because somebody smacked your ball. Yeah. Right. It's 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 only showing you means and 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 areas and direction on how to get better. Yep. So it's, it's not 
enough to just not be in the moment and understand that bad things will happen. But you know what? Look at it, deal with it, and move from it. Yeah. Doesn't matter age, six to 60. The entire ethos of this show, Next Play, is about that same concept. Yeah. Not focusing on, even if it's a win, over-celebrating, a loss, getting down on it. Focusing on what's next, what's the next play, right. and, and keep moving forward and, and keep um, focusing on the future. So I love that. And it, on that note of moving in the future, in 2019, um, you decided to quote, you know, the time was right to step out and bet on yourself. Right. Um, you left Rock Nation and started your own media company, Diverse. Um, can you break down that decision for me a little bit? How do you, how do you leave Rock Nation? How do you leave the Carters and, and strike out on your own? So think of it differently. If, if you follow my career, I've left every company at the height. Oh, okay. So for me, uh, my mother, she worked at the post office and she loved it. Um, you know, there are people who enjoy what they do, have yeah. passion for what they do. It might not be what any one of us would, would care to do or not, right. but people have passion for what they do. For me, once I achieve a goal, um, I'm on to the next. If not, I never want to be complacent. And it's always about building next. It's yeah. always about striving and pushing myself forward. And ideally, I just don't want to be a part of a fixture yeah. just because it's, it's comfortable yeah. and it's convenient. So like leaving Rock Nation was the last corporate company that I left, but I left Epic at the top. We changed the whole trajectory of the company, left Def Jam at the top. We started at the company, it was yeah. 2.3 market share, left at 11 market share. So at Amazing. the end, it's, it's really about moving forward. And for me, this is um, you know, an amazing opportunity because one thing that I have done over my career is identified talent. And during the course of my tenure in the music business, I would say from the artists that I've signed directly, Future, uh, Yo Gotti, Cash Out, um, been a part of DJ Khaled coming on board um, early days, Travis Scott, 21 Savage. Um, and personally, I've, I've, I've signed and been a part of marketing artists that in excess of a billion dollars in revenue, yeah, wow. right? I didn't receive 10% of that. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, getting what's the purpose on being in situations, learning from situations if you don't want to apply yourself right. for what's next, right? Yeah. And that's what was, what was for me, um, the important um, point on leaving and moving on. And what does Diverse do now? What are, what are the future projects that are in store for Diverse? So I just signed an amazing artist. Her name is Paris Gatlin out of Jackson, Mississippi. She's, okay. uh, she's a very special talent. Um, she's probably a blend between um, Megan Trainer and Amy Winehouse, but she's wow. a young pop, exceptional, you know, songstress, sassy um, young woman that's gonna make a lot of noise in the business. Uh, so we actually sign repertoire directly to us and we have a distribution funnel so artists can now have an opportunity to maintain you know, their masters and we provide them with li licenses opportunities and services for them to um, have options to move through the business and, and not have to sign away. So are you functioning as, as a management and, and like just connecting to distributors to be the label or...? or are you yourself the label? I am myself the okay, label. you are the label. And distributor. And distributor. Yeah. Very nice. And so when you take a bet on yourself like you did in 2019, um, you talked about these goals, right? How do you set these goal posts? How do you decide the milestones along the way for success? It's all calculated. Yeah. So. Is it um, all numbers driven though? Is it purpose driven? Is it? Um, it's a combination of both. Okay. Um, ultimately, 
as we know, in starting businesses, yeah. the upside is going to come down the road. So as long as there's indications and the tea leaves are saying speaking back, yeah. then you can keep moving forward. So I don't want to be in the hope business. There's a right. difference between that. And what I've learned being in corporate is you have to make decisions. What I've learned is being a dad, you have to make decisions fast. As I learned in being an entrepreneur, you have to be able to read everything um, in its in its infancy stage to know how you're going to push through um, yeah. along the way. So it's no different. And how hands on are you with this, right? In like the the develop one in the scouting of the artists, I'd say, and then also in the development of these artists and supporting them, right? Because you know, you can go and hire a bunch of amazing people to work for you, but the other part of it is people want your genius, right? They want your sauce of, of being in the business and working with so many amazing artists. So how do, you, how do you balance that with now being a career, you know, a seasoned veteran in the industry and probably wanting to build your own thing and kind of step back, but also giving people what they want, which is you being the value? So what, what moves um, the community is success okay. in music, right? And that's all relative. What's successful yeah. for you may not be successful for me, mm -hmm. right? You just may want to be a touring artist and, you know, you make $60,000 a year, you sell your merch, and, yeah. you know, that's a fabulous life. And then there are the people who want the Grand Slam home run, the Grammys, the Brits, all of everything that comes, the accoutrements yeah. that comes with being a big major star. So for me, uh, right now, uh, Paris is that, okay. the, the commitment that you're... That you're um, you, you were just discussing. I'm pouring all of what I've learned into her okay. to move her into the sphere of greatness yeah. because she's shown up as that. I like that. And so it's a very focused approach where most labels go and they sign whatever, 100, 200 artists a year. You are very focused on one artist and that artist development and, and supporting her. Absolutely. I love that. So you've also been in the realm of real estate for years, um, putting together a massive portfolio with LJ Brit Enterprises. Um, and I've heard you're, you're very personally involved with many steps of that process as well, um, and pride yourself on those relationships with the tenants and the properties. Um, can you tell me a little more about that? Like, how, what is it, you know, how do you define your role as a hands-on investor in real estate? So it's really interesting um, how I got into real estate. My parents, we lived in a five-family house on the uh, top floor. And what was interesting about that was in the winter, it was really cold because there was no insulation. In the summer, it's really hot. And when I realized with my dad, uh, he had the freedom and opportunity because of the house to um, live his dream and do what he chose to do. And my mother pretty much provided us with the uh, insurance and the stability aspect of it, okay. um, making sure that you know our health and, and yeah. well-being was always covered. So. A light bulb went off young in my head. Like I, I wanted to be like my dad. Mm -hmm. Like watching him, he was able to take us to school. Brilliant man, and uh, had a lot of time to live his life the way he chose to live his life. So when I got into the music business, I decided at that point, I want to I want to have the same luxury and freedom as as my father. Yeah. So every bonus that I receive, um, I purchased something. Wow. I purchased a condo, I purchased uh, multi-families, I purchased uh, um, single-family homes, and even got up to a city block in, in, in Hartford. Um, wow. So self-taught, uh, made a lot of mistakes, but realized like that was going to be um, my exit plan because, once again, in this business, it's, it's not traditional. Right. There isn't going to be a gold watch, which 
at this point in life, people have to create not only how they're going to survive today, but also how they're going to survive tomorrow and also in retirement. Yeah. So for me, it was just very important on making sure that real estate became, um, you know, my retirement. And I fell in love with it. So it became easy. It's amazing. Um, and I want to talk about 2020 a little bit, right? The pandemic was stressful for a lot of people, uh, but especially many Americans who faced possible evictions or, or problems making rent. As someone who owns property during the pandemic, you automatically became a stakeholder, I guess, in, in the struggles of this year. What did 2020 mean for your real estate portfolio? And, and where has that allowed you to pursue, I guess, purposeful, socially positive action this year? God's grace and glory, we were able, we didn't sustain any big hits. Okay, good. So we had the, um, probably a couple percentage points more in vacancies than we did, but we were in a, in a, in a very unique situation in how we did the mix of our portfolio. We um, rent to um, a lot of first-timers, first um, young couples that have, you know, have very little credit. Yeah. Um, we uh, rent to people who um, need assistance of some sort, low-income nice. families um, as well. And then we have some high-end um, apartments. And in that mix, uh, we pretty much sustain because, once again, I'm involved. Yeah. Um, if there's a leaky faucet, you don't call a management company, you call me. Wow. Yeah, like when you and I first sat down, that was that was a tenant that was called and I'll call back. Okay, wow. Right. So and that's the difference. So there have been times where people are are more apt to instead of just leave you high and dry, they'll call you and actually tell you their story, Mr. Pugh. Um, you know, I'm a little short. Uh, I'm going to pay you, but I just need you to work with me. And in that, you build relationships with your tenants as yeah. opposed to just becoming a landlord. That doesn't mean you, you put yourself in a position to be taken, taken advantage of, but there's a connectivity that, yeah. you know, this is mine just like it's yours. And that's, and that's worked really well for us. Wow. And how many tenants do you, would you say, like, have your phone number or are reaching out to you and, and, and you know, they hundred. Wow, there's 100, 100 yeah. people. That's amazing. How, how do you feel young entrepreneurs and investors benefit from real estate abnormalities caused by COVID? Do you think that there's, a, there's an opportunity from this past year, from COVID, to be able to get into um, real estate in a new way? There's always an opportunity in real estate. Yeah. Um, it's just, once again, it's, I think what people don't think about is what it really takes to be in it, right? Yeah. Um, how difficult it is. Um, it's, it's great to look at the gains and the appreciation, but you know, the day-to-day -day is intense. Getting someone to invest, if you don't have your own capital, um, making sure that you're, you're gonna be in a position that's gonna help you over yeah. the future on, on dealing with this on a day-to-day -day basis is, is, is the trick to it. But I think that point that you mentioned earlier about how you would take those bonuses that you would get, and you started with that, right? It, well, you didn't start with a handout, or you didn't start with right. you know, someone coming investing in you, it was, you worked and you knew immediately to save and invest um, in, in what you thought was going to work. So I like that. And that was able, that was a real key factor on stomaching the downside. Mm. Right? Yeah. Because, you know, I think what happens um, a lot, and especially for, it doesn't, wear, it doesn't depend on where you sit in the spectrum, whether you're someone who's successful or you're someone just getting in, you yeah. can't always look at someone's. Um, current situation and not think about all the pains that they had to go right. to get to the success that there are. There's a process involved. Indeed. 
right? Yeah. So you got to be willing. And you, you lost on your own dime, right? Oh, absolutely. Every mistake you made, it Abs on your own Absolutely. Dime. Yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely. And finally, I want to end our interview by talking a little bit about your newest project, Candid. Mm -hmm. um, Candid is a social media platform, mm -hmm. right, where artists and creatives can be paid directly for their content. Can you explain to me a little more about why you started Candid and, and, and how it works? So I'm not the, I'm, I'm not the, um, I'm a co-founder in the organization. Okay. I'm an investor. Um, okay. So when you talk about, you know, what happened during the pandemic, yeah. I actually got tech, yeah. <laughs> right? It pushed me into tech, into tech yeah. to be quite honest. It was a, um, a great opportunity that a friend um, brought to me um, that, that showed a groundbreaking way for people to actually monetize their content. And, and in a space that people aren't monetizing, right? right? It's micropayments. Okay. So uh, when it was presented to me, it was almost a no-brainer for me to get involved. And it's something I have passion for and taking yeah. the next step and moving forward and once again, stepping out and creating and, and, and betting on myself. What really encouraged you to get into tech and software though, right? Your, your background, mm -hmm. you were in music and real estate. How did you, what, what gave you the, the feeling like you could make that leap? It's all about studying, man. Like for me, things are moving forward. Yeah. Um, but there's so many people who fear that that you know the gate of like, okay, I'm not technical. I don't know how to code. I shouldn't be in tech. How do you? Is it is it a mindset thing? And you just think I, I can figure anything out? I don't know how to do any of that. Yeah. It's business. Yeah. Right. Ultimately, uh, think of there's a root in business, yeah. right? The fundamentals of a lot of what we do are all the same. Then yeah. there's different level of applications. Right. You gotta you gotta be a student to the game. Right. Don't just take chances on things you don't, you've not prepared yourself to be um, knowledgeable about and hedging your bet. But once again, it's all interchangeable. And what's kept me moving forward in business is always staying connected to what's moving forward in yeah. business. It's amazing. I love it. Well, finally, please let you know the people know where can they find you, how can they support you, and is, is there anything else you're working on? Any other next plays that people need to know about to be able to come and support? So you can find me on all my socials at BennyPugh.com. Okay. My website is also um, BennyPugh.com. Yeah. Um, there's a couple things that um, I have in the hopper that I'm, I'm pretty excited about uh, that's coming, yeah. uh, coming down the pipeline. But more importantly is being consistent on what I'm doing and maximize what I'm doing now. I have a lot on my plate. Yeah. So once we start getting some wins, then I'll start unleashing some more. Amazing. All right. Thank you so much for being here. All I right. appreciate it. Mm. It was amazing. No Thank problem. You. Oh,